Well, um, I don't know about you, but I could have sung probably another three or four songs. Um, it's, it's really hard for me stopping at three. Um, but then I would have absolutely no voice left to preach, so, so there is that. Um, but it's wonderful to begin our services spending time worshipping, uh, because that is um, our, our primary job um, as God's people, is to be people who worship um, and give God glory and praise. And as we think about wisdom... Uh, today in Proverbs chapter 3, um, we have the wonderful verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart, verse 5, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make straight your paths. I can remember um, I was about 17, I was at school, um, and I was interested in the book of Proverbs and in the kind of wisdom that was in Proverbs. And there was a teacher who I knew was a Christian, and I said to him uh, one day, uh, just when I kind of bumped into him and I was out walking in the school, uh, Sir, can you give me some wisdom? He said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will guide your paths. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. So I went and I wrote down uh, in my homework diary, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Must, must look it up and learn it. And there's very few scriptures that I know and can tell you the number of. I, I know a lot of scripture, but I'm not very good at remembering the numbers that go with it. So if that's you too, just, uh, yeah, you're not the only one. Um, I, I, where is it in the Bible it says this? That's what I'll often say, because I'm not very good at just remembering the numbers. But Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, uh, I have that etched in my memory. And we're going to think about what does it mean today to really trust in the Lord. Um, a reminder, the first few chapters of Proverbs are letters written as though they are from a father to a son. So when it says my son, that's the, the context at the time. It was, it was wisdom that was intended to be given to, um, to younger people, um, but I think that whatever age and stage of life we are at, um, we can always grow in wisdom. And the person who says, no, I can't grow in wisdom, I've got all the wisdom already, is a fool. Would you not agree? Um, so, so, so don't say that. <laughs> my son, do not forget my teachings, keep my commands, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. It's true. It's true. The research bears it out. People that go to church every week and worship as part of a church community live on average four years longer. You've probably seen the article. Every so often it comes up in a newspaper somewhere. Someone's done some new research and they get this shocking statistic, shocking for the atheist, that those people who are connected with a church live longer. Um, and Obviously, we can unpack that for ages, uh, but this is not a statistics uh, sermon. Um, but there is something about um, people living longer um, when they are in a church. Um, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and good name in the sight of God and man. Love and faithfulness. God is love, and those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Another verse of scripture, I can't remember where it's from, somewhere in John. <laughs> love is what God is. Love is God's character. So when we are people who live in a way that is loving, uh, we live out uh, God's commands. 
when we live in a way that is faithful, when we are full of faith, um, we will win favor, it says, verse 4, and a good name in the sight of God and man. You know, even if you have people in your life, maybe in your workplace or in your school or in your friendship groups or in your family, who think you are weird because you come to church on Sunday morning, who think you are weird because perhaps you are at home and the pandemic's on, and when they're binging the latest series on Netflix, you're watching um, the live stream from St. George's. If you have people who think you're weird, I imagine somewhere in there, they also have an ounce or more of respect because you're faithful, because you keep at it. One of the things about society we live in is that people will often say, and maybe they've said this to you, well, good for you for doing that. Good for you for going to church. It's not my thing, but good for you. And society kind of is, is changing, uh, and everyone's allowed to think what they think and believe what they think. Uh, I think we're in that place where whilst people may think that you're weird because you come to church, they also have some kind of respect because you're someone who is full of faith, who stands by your convictions, who practices what you preach. Then you will win favor, verse 4, and a good name in the sight of God and man. When do you find that out? You probably find it out at a party and someone says as a throwaway comment, you know, I'd love to be the kind of person like you who goes to church. Good for you. You probably find it out when a coworker or a friend or a family member has something happen to them and they really want to talk to somebody who's a person of faith. They want to talk to a Christian. They want to talk to someone who knows how to talk to the Creator, our God. And that will be the time when they say, you go to church, don't you? Can I ask you a question? You go to church, don't you? Could you pray for me? Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Your faithfulness is being watched and observed by those around you. And whilst normally they may not like to admit it, otherwise they'd be here beside you. Whilst normally they wouldn't admit it, when the time comes, you'll be there beside them and they'll say, you know, can you pray for me? I know many people who have had that happen. I'm not just making up stories uh, within our church. Uh, so then that's the kind of the beginning bit, the central two verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will guide your path. Or I'm going off memory. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight, says our NIV translation. I remember a few years ago, uh, we went to a wedding and um, the wedding was in a church, um, and the reception was taking place in some old English stately home manor kind of thing. Something like Downton Abbey, but smaller, and probably not quite as expensive. Uh, so we, we had to drive between the church and the reception venue. And, uh, and, and at the time, uh, it was around the time that TomTom Tom had invented their GPS satellite navigation. Anyone here... Have, have an early, early GPS, a few people. And, uh, and if you remember the early GPSs, um, they weren't very good. Uh, there would be two options. 
there would be the short route and the fast route. And the the fast route would sometimes, um, because it was going to save a minute, I would find it would take me on a highway that would add about 20 kilometers to my journey um, because it was going to be one minute quicker. And so so um, I tended to go for the short route. But of course, the problem with going the short route was that sometimes it would take you down roads that really you shouldn't be going down, or indeed roads uh, that didn't actually go anywhere. So picture the scene. We're driving from the wedding service to the reception. I did not look at a map because I had trust wholeheartedly in my GPS. I didn't look at a map. I knew vaguely where I was going. In the same way, if you said to me, drive to Vancouver, I'd know vaguely whereabouts in Vancouver something was. Um, But I wouldn't know exactly unless I looked at a map. And so there we are. We're driving through um, uh, country lanes of England, which if you know country lanes of England, you see how wide the aisle is in the center of our church here, which is six foot. I would say, They're probably slightly wider than that, but quite narrow. Enough to get one car through, um, and typically in certain places, you brush the wing mirror with the trees and shrubs on the side. Um, And every kind of couple of kilometers, there'll be a a ditch you can kind of pull into and let someone else come by in the other direction. So there we are going down this country lane because I didn't look at a map. Um, And as you can imagine, I heard... You should have looked at a map, David, um, as I was driving along. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, we're, and we're going, do you know where this place is? Yes, I know where this place is, but the GPS is going to get us there. You know, I trust. I have faith in my GPS. And so we go down this road, and the, the lane is getting narrower and narrower. And, and it's one of those where the, the pavement starts to kind of crumble a bit. And, you know, you start off thinking, well, they probably just haven't maintained it very well. And then as time goes on, you realize it's not been maintained at all, and it turns into a gravel track. And then a five-bar gate is in front of us, and it turns into a farm trail on private land. So now we're stuck. Uh, We're stuck at the end of this trail, and we have to kind of reverse back on this narrow country lane and find our way out, um, change the setting on the GPS to fastest, and hope that it gets us there which, in the end, it did. Um, But, you know, I think sometimes people can put more trust in their GPS than they can put in God. They can put more trust in their GPS than they put in God, blindly following where it leads. Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on what you think you know. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make straight your paths. As Christians, it's really important that we look at the whole map. We don't just blindly uh, follow a, a GPS, but that we read Scripture. As I unpack a few verses of Proverbs today, I encourage you this week to unpack a few more, read them, and see what jumps out, to read other parts of Scripture. If you find it's really hard to read the Bible and to make time, I have a really easy way you can just cheat completely. Are you ready? Nine o'clock, Monday to Saturday, on our Facebook page, we have morning prayer. And if you watch morning prayer, um, half of morning prayer 
is scripture being read. And if you watch it every day, uh, you will find it goes through um, different books of the Bible over uh, a three-year cycle. You'll get the whole Bible. So that's the cheating way to get some scripture into your morning. And if you can't watch it at 9 a.m., don't worry. It stays online and you can catch it at any time on the Facebook page. And if you're not on Facebook, it doesn't matter. You can still just go on to our website and get to it and you can watch it without even being a Facebook person. So that's the cheating way. Um, and it's not really cheating. Um, Thomas Cranmer, when he set this stuff up uh, back in the 1600s, uh, had some sense when he said, um, I want to make sure that morning prayer is said every day and scripture is read, because he knew that that way it would probably happen. So that's one of the things we do. One of the ways we can trust in the Lord and get the full picture of scripture and not just a verse here or there is to go through it day by day. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. How can we submit to the Lord? Well, it gives us a clue as it goes on. It says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, which means have respect and reverence for God. Shun evil. Put aside evil. We encounter and see a lot of things in our world that are evil. And when you know that's the case, um, was it Jerry Springer? Show where they used to have these people say, talk to the hand. I'm not going to do the impression. Um, but they'd say, talk to the hand, and they'd put their hand out. And, say, and I think that's how we have to be to evil. Uh, when we say in the baptismal service, we're to renounce evil. It's to kind of say, just get away from me. Some of you may know, because I've said before, I have a profound hatred for Halloween. And that comes from, from just feeling deeply uneasy um, about anything that seems like it's evil. And so we have to think about what are those things that will take us away from God? And how can we say, no, I don't want anything to do with that? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And then we get really the key at the end of the verse, at the end of the chapter. How is it that we can honor God? It says, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be overflowing and filled. Your vats will be brim over with new wine. This is about putting our money where our mouth is. It's about putting our money where our mouth is. Um, I very rarely preach on giving in the church, if possible. Partly because if I tell you I'm gonna preach on giving, um, there's this weird phenomenon when people think, oh, this is the Sunday when I'm going to go and do something else and I'm not going to come. So I, I try never to announce, let's have a big stewardship Sunday. And so we at St. George's in these last few years have tried to build a culture where we can talk about giving at any point and it's not going to become the, the be-all and end-all. But as we're honest about um, money and giving, of our time and of our resources, um, we can see things happen. Um, as you look around the church and see it's been repainted, that's because we had $10,000 of donations in order to do that. Uh, the money doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from people saying, I'm going to give of my first fruits. Um, the opposite of giving to your, of your first fruits um, is what happens when you fly with a number of airlines and uh, 
I know from the times I've flown with British Airways, and I've told this story before, so um, if you're hearing this for the second time, you can tell me if I did it better the first or second time. Um, but uh, it was three years ago, I think I last told the story. Um, they come around at some point on the flight and they read this recorded, well, it's not recorded, but this, someone will read. Obviously, they're reading. Here at British Airways, we'd like to tell you about something we're really proud of, is how it starts. And you think, oh no, here it comes. And basically what they have is they've got these envelopes, and the envelopes are called Change for Good. And what they try and get you to do is to give away your change from the country you've just been to that you're probably never going to visit again, or if you are, it will be some time. They get you to give the change away that is basically completely useless to you. And they'll use that amass it together, convert it into whatever currency, and raise millions of dollars over a 20-year period to help charities. So, as a, as a thing, it's great. But every time I see that, I think this is the opposite. This is the opposite of what God talks about when he says, give of your first fruits. Because giving as your first fruits is not saying, well, I've, I've got 25 cents left, I'll put that in the collection plate. Giving of your first fruits is saying, when I look at um, everything I have, how am I going to give to God um, from the beginning of what I have? How am I going to honor God with my wealth? We know what's important to us typically in two ways, by what our bank statement says and by what our diary says, where we spend our time and where we use our money. And so as we trust in the Lord with all our heart, I want to encourage you um, and people are in different places when it comes to giving, be that of money or of time. But I want to encourage you to say, um, pray and think about what you might do going forward. And it might not be for now, but it might be for the future. Um, some of the things that could happen when we step out and trust God, honor the Lord with all that we have. And so often, we, we don't see uh, lives changed. Uh, we don't see the church grow. We talk about having a youth group. We talk about having a youth worker. But we don't put the money in the plate to make it happen. And then we lament. And this is what churches do. They lament over the years. Well, if only we could do something. And it starts with us saying, I wonder if... I could put an extra $200 a month, $50 a month, $10 a month into a children and youth pot so we can grow youth work in our parish. I wonder if, I wonder if, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. The image I had uh, this week, and I'll, I'll finish with this, uh, the image I had this week um, as I was praying, it was on Wednesday actually, uh, the Lord gave me an image and I'm sorry I haven't got a picture of it, so I'll just have to describe it for you. Um, in fact, just to show of hands, does anyone know what a canal boat is in, in England, a narrow boat? Only two people, okay, three people, four people, okay, I'll have to describe it. So a the canals in England, they're not like the Fraser River. They're about um, twice the width of that aisle. They're all over Europe, like in Venice. You, you know, you've, you've probably seen canals there. Um, so they're, they're kind of between 12 and 20 feet wide. Um, and, they, and they would have these 
these barges, these narrow boats, that are about nine foot wide and 60 foot long. And they were built to transport coal, um, typically from the places where they found coal to the places where there was iron ore. Um, and this is turning into an industrial revolution lesson, so I'll stop that. But anyway, so, so <laughs> there are canals all over England, um, the birthplace of the industrial revolution um, and all the problems that's caused, but that's a whole another rabbit hole of um, so canal boats. Uh, 60 foot long, they go quite slowly. There's a towpath on, on both sides of the canal. Uh, so imagine a path by a river, and there's, there's a towpath on both sides. Originally, horses would have walked along, and, uh, and, and there would have been a rope tying the, the barge to a horse. Um, and so the kind of six kilometers an hour walking pace is about how fast they go. And I just had this image from the Lord this week that for the, there's a church, um, it's like we're on a canal boat. We're on a narrow boat. And we're going along um, at a very slow pace. And I remember spending a day with friends. They had a, people go on holidays and, and do this in England. So they, were, they were on a, had a, a boating holiday. And, um, and I realized that actually I spent half the day next to the boat on the towpath and the other half of the day actually on the boat because I was... Um, to go up and down, you have to kind of wind some handles and change the water levels in the locks. Um, but again, whole other thing. Uh, so, I, so I was kind of walking next to the thing and getting ready so that the boat could keep on moving at, at its pace. And I was next to the boat and not on it. And the picture I had is that sometimes for us and for others, we might say, yeah, I go to church. Or, or if you stop someone in the street and said, are you a Christian? Yes. Which church do you go to? Well, I go to St. George's or St. Patrick's or wherever else. But actually, the number of people who say they come to church and the number of people who are in church on a Sunday are very different. And so often, people can be content to be on the towpath walking next to the boat rather than being on the boat itself. Trusting in the Lord with all our heart Relying on him means being on the boat. And as we're on the boat, we're going to see people. They're going to jump on and off. They're going to run alongside us for a bit. They're going to disappear. They're going to move around to different boats. But our job is to just keep on the boat, going in the same direction. They're actually quite easy to steer. They have a, a thing. It's kind of like a, two hockey sticks connected like that at the back. And you kind of hold them like a tiller. So it's not got a, a wheel like other boats have. It's kind of got a thing like that. And so driving the boat, which was the other thing I quite enjoyed doing, um, really you just have to keep your hand on there, and it's really not very hard to keep it going. But if you take your hand off, very quickly the boat will hit the side. And that's not very fun for anyone making a cup of coffee onside the boat. So somehow, in this season, I think as a church, we just have to trust in the Lord. We have to keep our hand steady, going in the same direction. And we have to say to the people who are walking near the boat, hey, why don't you come on? They'll see it through our lives, through our faithfulness. They'll experience God's love as we pray and care for them. And as together, we trust in the Lord with all our heart as we follow him. I think we are going to see some amazing things happen. Let's pray.
Loving God, we thank you for the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. We thank you for um, that image of being together on a boat together, going in the same direction. We pray for the people who are near the boat but not on it, for the people who used to be on the boat but have gone off for a walk somewhere else. Lord, help us to trust in you with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Help us as a community to bring light to our city, light to our friends and our families. Help us to put you first in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.